0: Let me express my appreciation to the beloved Dean of this institution for his extravagant and hyperbolic uh, introduction, which reflects not only the graciousness of his spirit, but the greatness of who he is as a man of God. And so I thank you so much, Dean, for uh, your kind words. Please know I was praying as you were uh, introducing me, and really the imagery is of the great pyramid introducing a stone and so I prayed uh, that God would forgive you for uh, your uh, hyperbole and then forgive me because uh, I love the way you lied about me so thank you so much uh, for for your graciousness and your kindness. I, I must say Dr. Joel Gregory is a gift uh, to our time uh, The devil in hell knows he can preach the horns off a billy goat, Uh, but more than that, uh, God has used him as a bridge builder uh, in a country that in too many instances has been characterized by division and discrimination. And if we would all just look to the example, the motto, the testimony, if you please, of Dr. Joe Gregory, uh, reminding me of the legacy of our beloved friend, E.K. Bailey. Yeah. Uh, this world would be a better place. And so, Dr. Gregory, I salute you for not just your preaching, but for your motto. Thank you. Thank you so much. I have to thank uh, Jewel London for being Jewel London. She is indeed a Jewel, and so I thank you, Jewel, for uh, your great work. Now, I see a lot of familiar faces even through the mask. I thank you so much for your presence and for your prayers, but I also know uh, that I am uh, a dim Uh, what, light bulb uh, in the midst of a star-studded lineup. Uh, There are many of my homiletical heroes and sheroes uh, who are part of this week. I'm always intimidated to be in the presence of uh, Dr. Uh, Teresa Fry Brown. She is a phenom, and so uh, I thank you and look forward to what God will do through you. I go way back with Bishop Kenneth Ulmer, Dr. Ralph West and I went to school together. Dr. Gina Stewart is one of my uh, preaching models. I could just call the road. J. Alfred Smith is a legend. And so uh, Lance Watson, my God, this is a crazy lineup. And so uh, I'm honored to to be here. I want to, uh, in these opening moments, share with you from a passage of scripture found in the book of Amos, the prophecy of Amos. And there in Amos chapter seven, verse 15, we find the words of our text for this message. Amos testifies or claps back to Amaziah with these words, but the Lord took me and the Lord told me to prophesy to Israel, but the Lord took me from following the flock. And the Lord told me to prophesy to my people Israel. I want to put a tag on this text and for a few moments with your prayers, I'd like to use as a subject from which to preach, feeding the sheep and fighting the wolves. Feeding the sheep and fighting the wolves. When we talk about the legacy of African-American preaching at its best, it's been characterized by feeding the sheep and fighting the wolves. Kara Walker, gifted artist, has done a brilliant job in her artistic career of capturing on canvas the contradictions that have, in many instances, crippled this country. Kara Walker has dared to find herself through her artistic work At the messy intersections of sexual exploitation, slavery, and race. Kara Walker has a piece in the African American Museum of History and Culture, and she labels it No World. No World is a play on new world because when you check out the work by Kara Walker, one notices that a ship has landed on the eastern shores of this nation. And when the ship lands, there are bodies that are escorted off of that ship. And we recognize already on the screen of our anointed imagination that many of those bodies are black bodies that have been kidnapped from the shores of their mother Africa and brought against their will to this land. Listen to what Kara Walker or to how Kara Walker depicts this nation. She does not refer to it as the new world. I could park there parenthetically because the new world was reflective of possibilities. New world reflected a democratic experiment That would be one of liberty and justice for all. New world reflected a nation that was going to model for the world what it means to be a light on a shining heel. That is what the new world promised. And yet, according to this brilliant artist, Carol Walker, these who disembarked from this ship did not find a new world, but they found what she labeled uh, no world, no world. Why? Because she discovered that in this no world there is, to use the language of the professor at Princeton, uh, Eddie Gloud Jr., a value gap. And this value gap basically suggests that we live in a nation where some are valued more than others. There are some in the hierarchy of value who are uplifted and there are others in the hierarchy of value who are downtrodden. There are some who are othered and others who find themselves in the middle. There are some who are marginalized and there are others who are in the mainstream. Yes, according to Carol Walker, there is a new world of democratic possibilities, but then there is no world that contradicts what the democratic experiment should be about. It is a world of the up and in versus the down and out. Is that not, my sisters and brothers, the context in which we find the prophet Amos? Amos finds himself bursting on the scriptural stage at a time when Israel is experiencing the height of material prosperity. The economy was bullish and all appeared to be well for the nation Israel. But sadly, my sisters and brothers, Israel had built its prosperity on the backs of those who were poor. And as a consequence, Amos receives a message, a mission, a calling from almighty God to go watch this and leave Tekoa there in Judah and go up to Israel. Watch this. He is considered an outside agitator because he's from Judah. And as an outside agitator, see my man Amos as he goes up to uh, Israel and there in the temple, there at the temple he begins to prophesy. We all know that King King Jeroboam is bawling and shot calling. We all know that King Jeroboam Jeroboam, my sisters and brothers, is is the king of Israel during this time of prosperity, the height of its material prosperity. Many Hebrew scholars say, but wait, the book also lets us know that he has an assembly of advisors, religious advisors. They really are not the conscience of the country, but they conform to the policies of Jeroboam in a real sense. These are preachers on the payroll, preachers on the payroll who don't recognize their responsibility to be the conscience of the empire. Is it not sad and sinful when preachers capitulate to the country's policies as opposed to being, as it were, the conscience of a nation? These preachers are guilty of what Dean John Kenney calls what? Plantation theology. You know plantation theology. Plantation theology, my sisters and brothers, is a theology that goes along with that which exploits the least of these. It's a theology that goes along with injustice. It's a theology that baptizes bigotry. That is plantation theology. But into this setting of plantation theology, Theology and economic exploitation and political repression. Here comes Amos, and Amos is attacked by Amaziah because you recognize that whenever you dare to speak truth to power, that there will be those preachers who will dare to stand against you in the name of protecting the policies of the empire, and the book lets us know that Amos stands up and in response. I love it. He claps back to Amaziah and says, Amaziah, you don't understand. I I am not the son of a prophet. I don't have a prophetic pedigree. You see, my prophecy is the result of the calling of God upon my life. God has done something that I did not expect. God called me to this ministry and then he comes to verse 15, which is my shout he says but the Lord took me I I could stop right there but I've got to give you the rest of the text but the Lord took me and he took me from following the flock watch it he took me from following the flock and told me to go prophesy to my people Israel in a real sense God took me from following the flock where I was feeding the sheep and now now I have a ministry of fighting the wolves. Well, my sisters and brothers, that's what we are called to do and let me keep it a buck with you. This particular subject is not original with me. My my late grandfather, the Reverend Frederick Douglas Haynes Sr. pastored Third Baptist Church in San Francisco and, and my grandfather pastored Third Baptist Church from 1932 to 1971 and in the mid-40s, Bishop Ulmer, God spoke to him and he became the first African-American to run for county supervisor in the city and county of San Francisco while pastoring historic Third Baptist Church. Hold on. While he is campaigning, one person decides while they are at the post office, they come upon a deacon at Third Baptist and they say, ah, you go to that N-word, Haynes' church, why don't you tell your pastor the job description of a shepherd? And the deacon said, what is your job description of a shepherd? And that person with a neck problem said, the description of a shepherd, why? this is to feed the flock and that's when the deacon shot back at him. where our shepherd both feeds the flock and fights the wolves and that my sisters and brothers as we gather during this African American preaching conference I am convinced to honor the prophetic legacy of black preaching at its best its preachers who have dared to feed the flock on Sunday but they also knew how to fight the wolves during the week. Well, how does this work? Let's watch the text. I'm almost done. The text lets us know. Amos says, I love this, these three words, but the Lord took me. I'm about to shout because those first three words, but the Lord, that's enough to shout you right there because we all know that the sentence begins with a conjunction, but now I'm not as smart is Joe Gregory so I didn't always know what a conjunction was but but one Saturday back in the day I'm watching cartoons and and a song came on and the song said conjunction junction what's Y'all saw that, didn't you? And y'all, I discovered the function of a conjunction is to connect what's before with what's after. And if it is an adversative conjunction, like but, however, yet, and how be it, it means whatever's on the front side of the conjunction is about to get overruled by what's on the back side of the conjunction. And so here's what my man Amos says Amos says, listen, verse 14. I don't have prophetic pedigree. My daddy wasn't a prophet, but the Lord took me. There it is right there. You see, Amos is talking about the maker he's connected to, the maker that you and I are connected to. How do we feed the sheep and fight the wolves? It's because of the maker that we are connected to. I love it right there because the text says, but the Lord took me. Now, once I saw that Kenneth Omer was going to be here, I said, let me do my homework. And etymologically, I unpacked the word took in the Hebrew. The word took in Hebrew, according to my Hebrew professor, Joel Kemp puts it like this. He said the word was also used in the context of marrying. It was also used in the context of snatching into captivity because once God takes you into this thing called ministry. You are married and if you're not careful, you'll feel like you've been taken captive by our creator, preach Freddie Haynes. I'm doing the best I can and y'all, the book lets us know that here is Amos. Amos says, the Lord took me. The Lord married me and made me a captive of a cause greater than myself. The Lord took me and the Lord married me I'm still not coming through but y'all that's exactly what our tradition reminds us of God has a way while you're minding your own business of taking you God has a way while you are doing what you think you want to do God laughs at your plans and then marries you and takes you where you never thought you would end up and some of us are here today and and your testimony is, I didn't plan on preaching. As a matter of fact, since y'all acting holy, I did everything in my power to disqualify myself from God calling me. And yet, God took me. And when God took me, God said, Now I'm going to marry you. And what God joins together, let nobody put asunder. Ah, I've got to bring a witness to the stand because I think Martin King would say, God. God took me. God took me. Martin King, my sisters and brothers, when he was in his last year of his PhD program at Boston University, he applied for several churches, one in Tennessee, one in Oklahoma. And check this, I was privileged to preach at that church in Oklahoma, Calvary Baptist Church back in the 80s. An old school deacon picked me up. And here's what messed me up. That old school Deacon picks me up at the airport and says, young preacher, welcome. You's coming to an historic church. I said, cool in the gang. He said, but you don't understand how historic we are. I said, tell me, Deacon. He said, we are the church that rejected Martin Luther King Jr. Martin Luther King Jr. applied to be the pastor of us as church. I said to myself, why are you saying this? You need to be ashamed of yourself. Your church rejected Dr. King, but I wouldn't say it out loud. I don't want to disrespect my elder. But Dom, here's what went down. He then said, "I know what you're saying. Why would I brag about rejecting Dr. King? I'm bragging because I'm so glad that we rejected Dr. King. Because if we had not rejected Dr. King, then he would not have been called to Dexter Avenue Baptist Church in Montgomery, Alabama." If he had not been called to Dexter Avenue Baptist Church in Montgomery, Alabama, he wouldn't have been around when Rosa Parks said, I ain't taking this no more and refused to give up her seat. And that gave birth to the 381 day Montgomery bus boycott. I'm so glad that we rejected him because if we had not rejected him, he wouldn't have been tapped as the leader of that movement if we had not rejected Rejected him, then we would not have seen him receive the Nobel Peace Prize. If we had not rejected him, he wouldn't have organized the Southern Christian Leadership Conference. If we had not rejected him, he wouldn't have told America in 1963, I have a dream. If we had not rejected him, he would not have led, but he would not have led the movement in Birmingham that eventually in the 64 civil rights bill. If we had not rejected him, he wouldn't have led the movement in from Selma to Montgomery that eventuated in the voting rights bill. I'm glad we rejected him because our rejection was for his redirection. And I want to park right there and simply say to every woman of God, every woman of God who's had to deal with with pulpit rejection. Every woman of God who's had to deal with being treated as a second-class citizen in the church of Jesus Christ. Just know this right here. There is a God who sits high and looks low. There is a God who can use rejection for your protection and for your redirection. So preach on, my sisters, preach on. God is our maker, our maker. That's what, that's what Amos says. But the Lord took me, ah, and the Lord took, but, but the Lord took me, ah, from, from following the flock. And the Lord told me, go prophesy to my people Israel. Oh, I'm almost done, but I'm about to shout now because Amos says the Lord took me. That's the maker I'm connected to. But then don't forget the mission I've been assigned to. Ah, his mission. When you read the book of Amos, you already know the theme is one of justice. You already know that Amos was down with social justice. I know there are those who say that justice is a heresy. I know that there are those who evidently have edited out justice, edited justice out of the Bible. But but you can't read Amos without understanding the theme of social justice. As a matter of fact, you can't follow my savior unless you understand that my savior in his inaugural message said the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the spirit has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to set the captives free, heal those who are broken, recovery of sight of those who are blind, proclaim the year of economic justice. I I know we don't. Don't like this but but let's just hang with me for just a while because understand the difference between charity and justice because a lot of us watch this don't mind comforting our conscience by engaging in acts of charity but we don't want to fight for justice that will overrule the need for charity ah. but Amos was clear about his mission he's like Jay-Z Jay-Z said I'm clear why I'm here And so Amos was clear about his mission and because he was clear about his mission, read, if you will, the context and you'll discover that Amos at the beginning of his message, the crowd is down with him because he is extolling, no, he is castigating the sins of other nations because Amos has a global consciousness. His consciousness as a preacher is not limited to his community. His consciousness as a preacher delves into foreign policy. His consciousness as a preacher would be concerned about an immigration policy that has a That takes you back to the 1800s and you have border patrol agents who act like slave patrol agents and and they mistreat Haitian immigrants. and, And maybe this nation, I say in the spirit of Amos, needs to give the Statue of Liberty back to France. Or if you're not going to give it back to France, then maybe you ought to take down the message on the Statue of Liberty. No, Maybe you need to just edit out the statue message and say, give me your poor, your tired, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free unless they're black and Haitian. Why? Because this nation has a foreign policy that contradicts the love of almighty God. So what are we talking about when we talk about justice? Justice, my sisters and brothers, Michael Eric Dyson says, is what love Sounds like when it speaks in public justice, according to Freddie Hayes, is love wiring systems and forming structures. That's what justice is. Justice is when divine love informs systems and structures so that you all so that you overcome the need for the needy being hungry and broken. Justice removes the othered from filling othered so that they are all included when you have justice in the land justice is concerned about love for all of God's children regardless of how God made you regardless of where you come from God loves all of us red brown yellow black white we're all precious in the sight of Almighty God and justice builds that out in our structures and in our systems, I'm not coming through. Look what happened. I, I was in San Francisco for the NAACP Freedom Fund Banquet several years ago. My flight was late and rode, uh, drove rather, uh, in my rental car because that's where I'm from, San Francisco. Drove to the hotel. Nice hotel, hooked a brother up. And he you've been to San Fran, you know Pastor Altry that, that San Francisco is a city built on seven hills. So some of the hotels literally, watch this, are beneath ground level uh, in terms of some floors. And so I checked into very nice hotel. And when I checked into the hotel, someone at the desk was either having a bad day or she didn't like the fact that I was checking into that hotel. And so uh, I gave her my name. And had a little attitude, and so I ain't got time for this, so uh, just, just give me my room. And so what she did, she gave me this room, gave me my key, and, and I had seen her. Watch this. I had seen her, because in these fancy establishments, when they give you your key with, with within a card, they come around the desk and hand it to you. She did that to the two people in front of me, but when it came to me, she just handed it over the desk. So I said, I see what's up. I see what's up. So, But I ain't got time for this. I ain't got time for this. I, I, I ain't going to play this game with you. So I received my key because I'm still staying here, even if you don't want me here. And so, so here's what happened. I, I go to my room. My room is on the first floor. I got to go down when I get on there. Got to go down. It's on the bottom level. And so when I get to it, uh, I turn on the TV. One of my favorite movies is on, Shawshank Redemption. And so I'm watching Shawshank Redemption while, while trying to meditate real strange, but that's what it it works for me. So I'm watching Shawshank Redemption while trying to meditate and check out what happened. I hear this loud clanging sound, clang, clang, clang. So I said, no, this ain't working, this this ain't working. So I called the front desk, she answers, and so I said, "Listen, uh, you put me on the bottom floor with this loud noise, and I need to move she said well that 's where the system puts you now now, I love Martin King, I really do, but I got some Malcolm in me so 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 when she said that 's where the system puts you." That messed me up. She said, that's where the system puts you. So the system put me on the bottom. And I'm simply trying to say a lot of times we get upset with individuals instead of institutional systems. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against spiritual wickedness in high places. This ain't about me not liking you or you not liking me. It's about us creating systems and structures that love all of us. It's about creating systems and structures that elevate the humanity of all of God's children. And y'all, she put me in that jacked up Room. I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit. So, so I think I talked about the maker mission, but then the message. He said, watch this. I love this. Go prophesy to my peeps, Israel. You didn't shout. Go, go prophesy to my people, Israel. Okay. Th- this is Baylor. Y'all should be shouting now. Okay. Go prophesy stop right there. The word prophesy in Hebrew, according to the late great rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel was also used, watch this, to mean under the influence. So, under influence, go And tell my people Israel because you're under the influence of a power that's beyond you. And so my late, great mentor, Manuel Scott Sr. said that preaching doesn't come from you. It comes through you. And when preaching comes through you, you can go prophesy. And so all of this week, we're going to celebrate African-American preaching. But just know, African-American preaching dared to prophesy. It dared to prophesy under the influence. So preach Harriet Tubman. Preach, oh, Elizabeth. Preach, preach that gospel full and free. Preach, Nanny Helen Barrows. Preach like God has put God's hand on you. Preach, Martin King. Preach, uh, preach the gospel, Gina Stewart. Preach, Teresa Fry Brown. Preach because God's hand is on you. Preach the gospel because you're under the influence. Y'all still, okay, y'all playing holy. If you get stopped because you're driving in the wrong way and the police put you through a test, the test will let you know if you're under influence. You're under the influence of spirits. Ah, because spirits have you behaving the way you wouldn't normally behave ah the bible says be not drunk with wine but be filled with the spirit because once you're filled with the spirit you're under the influence and when you're under the influence God gives you a message a message that feeds the sheep and fights the wolves okay I see what's up I know what's going on I know what's going on Dom y'all ready to shout and I feel you and I thank you for that but your sensitivity and critical thinking has you saying hold on hold on what happened to you at that hotel in San Francisco? And, and, and you ain't gonna get a shout out of me until you let me know What happened to you at that hotel in San Francisco? Well, since y'all want to know, I'll go ahead and set you free. Dr. Gregory, when that woman hung up on me at that moment, Malcolm rose up and I decided that I would go up in the name of Jarena Lee, in the name of Bishop Henry McNeil Turner. I'd go up there and give her a piece of my mind. I got on the elevator, got off on the lobby level, rushed to the front desk. When I got there, they said, said she had just left, her shift was over. By now, I am a hostile. I said, well, get me somebody who's in charge. And out from the back comes a brother. A brother comes out, tall brother. And the brother walks out, Bishop Omer. And when that brother saw me, he stared at me. He looked at me. It got uncomfortable. And so I said, man, are you the manager? He said, yes, I am. He said, are you Frederick Douglas Haynes III? I said, if you gonna give me a better room, I'm Frederick Douglass Haynes III. He said, no, no, no. He said, are you the son of the late Reverend Frederick D. Haines Jr.? I said, yes, sir. He said, oh my God. And y'all, he came out from around that uh, uh, desk and gave me a hug. I ain't trying to hug right now. I need a better room. And so he said, he said, you don't know what your dad did for me. He said, at the lowest moment in my life, my mother and father had just died, and I decided to kill myself, and for some reason, the phone rang, and as I'm about to put a a, a knife across my throat, I had to answer the phone. It's your daddy who was on the other end, and your daddy talked to me, talked me off the cliff, and he kept talking to me until he got me into counseling. I'm alive today because God used your dad, your Daddy, watch this, your daddy hoped me. And so I said, Listen, I'm glad my daddy could help you, but I got a jacked up room. He said, First of all, your daddy didn't help me, he hoped me. About to kill myself, and your daddy gave me a reason to live. I was about to give up on life, but your daddy he didn't help me, he hoped me. There's a big difference between helping someone and hoping someone. And y'all, it dawned on me African American preaching has been given to folk in the pew, sheep who are hurting and helpless, and saying, We're gonna hope you, but that's not the shout. The shout is, The brother said, Well, what. Why are you in that jacked up room? It's not even supposed to be given out. I said, because the woman who just left told me that's where the system put. Me. He said, Well, I am running the system, and I, because of what your daddy did for me, I'm about to overturn the system and I'm going to upgrade you. And y'all, I got upgraded. I, I ain't gonna brag, I'm gonna testify I got upgraded. How upgraded was your boy? I was so upgraded, I was on the top floor in a two bedroom suite with a grand piano that I could not play, but I played it anyhow because i got upgraded why because someone who had been hoped by my daddy was able to overturn the system that's black preaching black preaching says i'ma hope you but then we gonna overturn the system until justice rolls down like waters righteousness like an ever-flowing stream let's make up our minds to feed the sheep and fight the wolf.